this evening and just a time to worship and hallelujah to you god hallelujah jesus thank you for being our lord and our god and thank you for being in our heart and lord there's there's no one else there's nothing else like you god we 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 desire you we want more of you and lord we want to live our lives for you so i pray as you as we get into this your your word god tonight as we get into this study that you would bless it that you would bless our time that you would speak to our hearts and help us to grow tonight so i ask for your holy spirit now god to come and anoint this time and fill us now in jesus name amen amen all right hey i came across this article where a 32 year old french man named elisha nokomovitz ran a marathon on his 23-foot balcony. And this was just recently during the coronavirus lockdown. He was supposed to run a marathon on March 15th, but it was canceled due to the outbreak of the corona pandemic. And so when the French government ordered everyone to remain indoors, this furloughed restaurant worker decided to run on his balcony. Can you imagine that? After about 3,000 laps, I mean, I can't imagine that, going uh, back and forth, back and forth, Nicole Movitz completed 26.2 miles in 6 hours and 48 minutes, almost 7 hours there. His girlfriend was there to support him by uh, refueling him with M&Ms and Coca-Cola, because she needed energy, right? And Nicole Nicole Movitz says, uh, he, he's run 36 marathons before, but this one was the most challenging. I mean, I, I could imagine challenging, right? I mean, you can't go anywhere. You're just going back and forth on this balcony, 26 feet, turning around again and again. Think about that, for seven hours. Well, I would have given up if I were him, but I handed to him on how he continued to press on. Well, as we return to our study in the book of Philippians, Paul encourages the believers by using this analogy of a runner running the race. And the goal is to know Jesus and to become like Jesus. So God wants us to not give up, but press on. And that's the title of our message tonight, Press On. We're going to be studying Philippians chapter 3 from verse 12 through 14. Just three verses tonight. Last week we took a break as uh, our Easter week. Uh, if you missed it, you can catch it. Uh, uh, we did a study on the alabaster sacrifice, and you can catch that on the live stream archive or even on, on our podcast or online, you can catch the MP3. So tonight we're back in Philippians from chapter 3, from verse 12 through 14. And we're going to see three things here. Number one, follow the plan. Number two, forget the past. And number three, finish the race. So those are the three things in our outline. Well, let's begin here. Number one, follow the plan. Follow the plan. Press on is our title here. And we're going to take a look right now at Philippians chapter 3. And just verse 12 in this first section. Follow the plan follow the plan. So take a look with me here in your Bibles, Philippians 3, verse 12, it says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. And we'll stop right there. Now we begin with Paul writing, not that I have already obtained this. So he hasn't obtained this. He hasn't achieved this. And what's that? 
It's what he just talked about in verse 11, really stretching into the section before that a couple weeks ago and what we studied. It's, it, he's talking about this on how his goal is to know Jesus and see the resurrection power working in his life, changing his life. Now, if you missed it again, you can catch it online or a podcast. But understand, so he's, so he's flowing into this verse from what we saw this last time about knowing Jesus and about, about being able to live out this life, God working in his life and changing him. So with that, Paul is saying, look, it's not, I'm not saying that I've arrived or I achieved this spiritually now. Like he, like that he is already, and he goes on to say this, already perfect. And it's not that he is morally perfect either. You know, It's not that he's spiritually perfect, but he's far from it. And that's what he's trying to say here. Paul is not saying he has achieved a level of moral and spiritual perfection. No, not at all. Now, think about this. I like what Paul is saying here because Paul's been a Christian for like 30 years now, more than 30 years. He's a, a missionary. He's a, a pastor. He's one of the apostles. But he's saying, look, it's not like I've arrived. You know, when I became an apostle, I, I'm, I'm morally perfect and spiritually perfect. No, he's saying, no, no, no. I, I haven't like reached some level and achieved this status or something. But what he's saying is he's still growing in the Lord. It, it, it's really, if, if you know, as we understand what the Bible says, it's not until we reach heaven that we're actually completed. That, that sanctification, remember that word, quote-unquote, sanctification in the Bible, talks about us growing in the Lord. That growth isn't completed until we reach heaven and we obtain our glorified bodies. So he's saying, you know, it's not that I, I've attained here. I'm not talking in that manner. It's not like I, I achieved this level. I am still, like, we say many times, right, a work in progress. And so that's the idea in what Paul is saying here. And really, if we understand it, no one has really arrived, right, spiritually in some moral or spiritual perfection. Because with everyone, God is still doing some work in his life. It's been said, the biggest room in the house is the room for improvement. Well, we all have that room. I have, I have that room definitely in my in the heart in the room house. What is the house of my heart? <laughs> that's what I'm trying to say. But but right, we all can improve. So that's how Paul is really really putting forth here. So Paul says he's not arrived yet. But then he says in verse three, but I press on, and I like that. Now, the word press on means to run after. It means to, like, pursue even. It means to follow hard after. It's to put everything you got into the run. And in this analogy, he's going to be talking about more and more. It's running that race. He's putting everything in to running, pursuing, chasing after the goal in, in a sense. So to press on is to put all your heart and soul and strength into what God has you do. And that's the idea of what, what Paul is saying here. It's the same feeling we find like in 1 Timothy 6.12 about putting your all into it. 1 Timothy 6.12a says, fight the good fight of faith. So it's like fight, get in there, fight, put all your into that. Or when Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 9.24, he said, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives a prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. 
So you're putting your all to win that race, to, to get first place. That's the idea here when we say press on. And so what are we pressing on? Well, for, for what is this great effort being made? Well, in uh, uh, verse 3 here, he says, But I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus had made, uh, made me his own. Now, make it my own, those words in original language means to take possession. Uh, listen to what the NLT actually translates this in this way. I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. In other words, Paul puts all his effort into becoming all that Christ had saved him to be. Paul's goal in life, his goal now in life was, to, was the same with what Jesus' goal was in saving him. So, God's plan from the beginning was to save Paul and transform him into a man of God, into becoming more and more uh, like him in that perfection, in that sense. He's heading toward heaven for when he gets his glorified body, and so he's heading that way, growth in that way. So Paul's now dedicated to do just that, to follow the plan of God. And thus our heading, follow the plan. That's Paul's dedication. That's what he's committed to. That's what he wants to do is fulfill God's purpose in his life, to follow the plan, what God wants to do, and making him more and more as a man of God. Now we know God just doesn't save us that later, so that later, you know, when we die, hey, we have a place in heaven. You know, some people look at salvation in that way. They, they look at it like it's like fire insurance, right? They think that, well, after you accept Jesus, you can just go on living as you, you know, were before, knowing that, hey, when I die, I won't go to hell. I purchased this fire insurance, so to speak, right? But there is more to salvation in Jesus. There's more to just, oh, we're going to be in heaven. It's, it's, it's about what he's doing now, not just in the future, but what he's doing now. That Not just that we're going to go and live with God in heaven later, but there's more to salvation. You know what? There's a couple of things here I want you to understand. It's to have a relationship with God now. I mean, Philippians 3.10, you can look up there in the verse right there in your Bible, right? In that part, it's the first part says that I may know him. Remember, that was Paul's passion we saw last time in Philippians, that he wanted to know God because of this relationship. So salvation isn't just, okay, one day I'll go to heaven. But it's to know God now, to have a relationship, to have him involved in your life, to be blessed, to communicate with him, to communicate to him. And he communicates to you and he's part of your life. There's a relationship going on. So it's more than just, oh, I accept Jesus, I'm going to heaven. Also, salvation is to live a new life now. Live out what God had planned for you. Like, listen to what Ephesians 2.10 says. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Isn't that amazing? When we come to Christ, we're his work and workmanship. The Greek word there is poema. We're like his, 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 his masterpiece, his creation. He's like, we're like his clay sculpture. He's like molding us into. And that's right now, you know. That's as we live in this earth before we get to heaven. That he wants us to live for him. He wants to 
us to become what he wants us to become, what he had prepared beforehand. And then, also with salvation, not, not only is it a relationship or living this new life, but in this new life, it's to grow in our character and be like Jesus. Take a moment to turn over to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 and 29 we're going to take a look at. So Romans 8, you could turn to the left. Romans 8, verse 28. And there's two verses I want you to see here. Verse 28 and... 29. Now, 28 we know, right? Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. So we understand that, right? God is working in our life for good, right? No matter what happens, right? All things, whether good or bad, whether times of no virus and times of the virus, God is working things out in His sovereign plan in our life uh, for good, according to his purpose. And then what's his purpose? Well, look at verse 29. It says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. And you can stop there. But that's the idea. You see, God is working in our lives, in everything that we go through, whether it's good or bad, to form in us uh, the character of Jesus Christ, to be conformed to Christ's likeness that's the idea there in Romans 8:29 so you see Paul understands this Paul is totally dedicated to follow the plan this is God's plan we don't just accept Christ and go okay yeah you know and try and live a good life and then one day we're going to heaven but there's much more going on God is involved in our lives and he's working in us and transforming, changing us, and making us into that very image of Jesus Christ. So Paul, he puts everything he can to follow the plan. He puts his all into what God is doing in his life. And that brings us to our point here. Paul puts in a maximum effort to become all that God wants him to be. Do you understand this? This is what he's saying. I'm not, I'm not perfected yet. I'm not like spiritually and morally perfect. I'm not everything that God wants me to be. But you know what? Paul's saying, I put in a maximum effort to become all that God wants him to be. He's all in here. He's, he's, do, he's reading, he's praying, he's doing everything he can to live out what God is doing in him, to grow in the Lord and become uh, like the likeness of Christ in his character. Paul puts in a maximum effort to become all that God wants him to be. Once a man proudly came up to the evangelist D.L. Moody and said, I attended one of your meetings years ago when I was, and I was saved. And then Moody replied to him, that's interesting. But what is more interesting is what has happened since. Moody went on to say, what progress have you made in your Christian life since he was saved? That's a, it's a good question for all of us. Paul is not like that. He's doing all he can to grow in Jesus. Paul puts in this maximum effort to become all that God wants him to be. That's what he's going for. That's what he's pressing on in. Have you come to Jesus? And now that, that uh, we're, 
you know, years later, have you just continued on, right, in, in your old life? Has there been a change? Uh, what, what has been going on? Sometimes we come to the Lord because there's been a crisis or there's something going on in our lives. So we call out to God. We come to church. We, we, go, we raise our hand in an altar call and we, ask to, and we pray and we ask Jesus to come into our life. But then when that crisis is over, when the trouble goes away, then we just kind of go slide back into our old life. Well, not Paul. How about you? God is calling us. No, we want to change. Have you been living the same way with no change ever since you came to Christ? Or, or, or maybe you've lost your desire for some reason for, for Jesus. Maybe you had it, but then things kind of cooled down. Well, you know, tonight, as we're reading these words and we're into God's word here, God is trying to light that fire in your heart right now. Understand, that's not God's plan. He's not just, okay, I saved you and go on, go on with your life. No, he wants to be involved. He wants to change you. Perhaps what you're going through right now, the hard times and, and those things that are bringing you to the Lord, perhaps those things God wants to use to bring you close to him, to light that fire, to get you growing again. Perhaps maybe you're in a place where nah, you feel pretty good with your walk. I mean, you read your Bible, you serve in church, you give your tithe, yet you have no close relationship with God. Or you do not like feel that love and, and, and that passion for the Lord. Or, or, or maybe you did, but you don't. But you're still like going to church and serving all, all that. Or, or, or maybe you did change when you first came to the Lord. But then you, you, you grew, but then you hit this plateau. And you're on this plateau, and you haven't grown more. You're just... You've, you grew, you went flat, and then that was it. You just stayed the same. Perhaps you're in that place where you haven't grown for years now. Let me ask, ask you that question. Has your faith grown? Has your trust grown? Has your love grown? Or is it the same since you first came to Jesus? You know, sometimes we get satisfied in just doing things yeah oh yeah i go to church oh yeah when they sing i sing you know oh yeah i i pray or maybe you open your bible every day and you, and you yeah check off the list i did my daily reading and you're doing things and you're satisfied okay i'm i'm good i'm good but where is that relationship yeah where is that growth have you changed are you becoming more like christ you know listen i was i've been thinking lately how so many times even myself i can focus on the doing but not the being. We need to, I mean, doing is good, but we need to be the person God wants us to be. That's the transformation. That's what he wants to do. Because when we are that person, when we grow in that way, then we do those things. We don't just do as a ritual. We, just don't, we don't just do like, all right, God, I obeyed you, but not, no heart behind it or no change inside. It's being from the inside out. That's what we need to do. And that's what Paul makes a maximum effort to be everything God wants him to be. It's to, it's to put in it that effort to become like Jesus Christ. And that's what he talks, talks about here when he says, press on. Well, let's go on here to number two now. 
Number two is forget the past. We've seen press on here, follow the plan, number one. And now number two, forget the past. Take a look with me here now, verse 13 now. Verse 13, and in this section we just covered this verse two. So verse 13, it reads here, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Now, Paul repeats again that he's, he has not made it my own or achieved that perfect perfection and possesses it all the way now. No, but he says, one thing I do. I like that. He puts his focus on one thing. He keeps his eye on one goal. And, and what does he do? What is that that he's maintaining? How does he maintain that focus? Well, he says, by forgetting what lies behind. He doesn't look back. He doesn't let the past trip him up. He doesn't look what his past and what has gone on in his life. No, he keeps looking forward is what he's saying. And so like a runner who looks, you know, how like a, a runner's running and he kind of looks past, a little, sees who's behind him and he loses the race. Paul's like, no, the one thing I do is, is I, I'm looking forward. I don't look in the past. I forget the past. Paul keeps his eyes forward and does not let what happened in the past distract him in his race. So, Paul forgets the past. That's our heading. Paul forgets the past. Now, with this, when we talk about not looking at the past or being distracted with the past, there's three things that can distract us and keep us from running the race with maximum effort. So, I want to give to you uh, three distractions from the past. Three distractions from the past. And number one is past accomplishments. You see, there are good things in our past. There's things that God has done or we've grew in or when we came to the Lord. You know, all those things are good. Those past accomplishments, the past achievements, there's nothing wrong really looking back and being grateful for what God's done. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with being encouraged by seeing how much you've grown and, and you know, celebrating with the Lord what He's done in your life. But the problem is when you rest on the past accomplishments, then it's like you're running and looking back in that way. See, you can't move forward into the future if you keep living in the past. Years ago, I remember one of the kids on the street was riding his razor, you know, his little scooter, and, and he was just racing around in circles and doing, doing these loops and stuff, and, and, and he got so confident, he, he would just look backwards, and he would, he would just scoot and looking backwards, I'm like, hey, 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 and, and right, you know, he heard me yelling, and he looked forward, and it was right before he, he almost crashed into a tree. Well, that's, that's like what we do when, when we keep looking back. We keep looking back. We think we're going forward. And we're going to crash. If we keep looking back to the past accomplishments, it's, it, we're going to crash spiritually. We are. We cannot rely on just what we did in the past. We can't say, oh, yeah, I remember when I came to Christ, you know. And like what Moody said, well, what happened then? Sometimes we, we're still stuck in the past. And what happened? We're, maybe we think we grew, but then we're plateauing. And sometimes even plateauing is being dead spiritually. So, distraction from the past, past accomplishments. Well, there's a second distraction from the past, and that is number two, past sins and failures. Past sins and failures. Now, this is when we, we dwell upon our 
past sins, you, you know, things in our past, the wrong that we've done, how we failed God or we failed people. And, and, and sometimes this is when, like, a person lives under constant condemnation when we keep thinking of the sins and past failures and those wrongs. It's a self-condemnation that can disable you. And on top of that, you know what the enemy does? Satan comes in and he starts pushing you down harder with those things. Yeah, you're no good. Yeah, you're bad. Yeah, and I, I remember being caught in that so much, and, and I, it, it kept me from growing. It kept me from understanding God's love and forgiveness. It kept me from moving forward. So these past sins and failures under that condemnation can, can stop you and disable you and distract you. But know this. Jesus died for your sins, and Jesus died for all your sins. Sometimes we think, well, I know Jesus died for my sins, you know, up until salvation, but after that, whoa, I got to be good, I got to do this. No, Jesus knew you were going to fail, so when he was on the cross, he died for all your sins, even after you were saved. Jesus died for all, all your sins, and as First John 1, 9 said, I mentioned that the other day, right? Right, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's a promise. And I memorized that because I was struggling with things like that. First John one night, memorize it if you're constantly under condemnation. Don't let the past sins and failures stop you from running the race. If anything, you know what? Think of it this way the past sins and failures. They should actually help you run better. Listen to what Warren Wiersbe said. The past is a rudder to guide you, not an anchor to drag you. We must learn from the past, but not live in the past. Isn't that good? So those past mistakes and wrongs that you've done, let it be a rudder to guide you not to do them again. But don't let it be some anchor to drag you down and keep you from moving forward. So, distractions from the past, past accomplishments, past sins and failures. Let me give you one more thing. Past hurts from others. Past hurts from others. See, another thing that can trip you up in your race and take the wind out of your lungs from running forward, right, is those relationship issues that linger Right, that linger on your heart from the past. There's those hurts, those pains, those things that you haven't given to the Lord yet. You know, but God wants to heal your heart. Know that tonight. Maybe you're struggling. Maybe you're hearing these words, and you know what I'm talking about. You know how it 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 it, it disables you from running, and you don't feel like moving forward in the Lord. You know how that feels like when when just that pain and suffering. You just want to check out. You want to give up. You you don't want to do nothing, right? Well, know that God wants to heal your heart and help you to start running again. He does. Go to the Lord. And don't let the past hurts from others stop you from running. And you keep looking back and you keep playing that tape over and over again. To, you keep playing that video over and over. Don't do that. You know, Paul wrote in Ephesians 4.32, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. That's what we have to do. We have to forgive that person. We have to Find that forgiveness from Jesus and be able to forgive so that we can go on. Or you know what? You're going to be carrying this a long time. Something we have to go to the Lord with and deal with. 
But God, and He wants to heal you. He wants to help you. He wants to give you that forgiveness. He wants to give you that love, you know. And He can do it. So just as you're under the blood, remember, so are they. All right. So Paul says, forget the past. Forget these past things. And then look at, look at verse uh, 13 again. It says, uh, forgetting what lies behind straining. Paul is straining forward to what lies ahead. Now I want you to see this word. So he's forgetting the past, but he's straining out forward. He's looking forward. Straining forward means to stretch to the limit. It's like a runner straining to, to keep a fast pace in the race. And I don't, know, I, I don't like running, so I'm always straining no matter how, how much I run. But, you, you know, toward the end, you're like straining or you're coming around the last turn and you're just straining to keep your legs going. Your, your body's aching, your legs aching, but you're putting your maximum effort in and you're straining. You're stretching your body to the limit. That's what Paul is talking about. He's straining forward, stretching himself to the limit, to what lies ahead. It's all for that goal up ahead. And for Paul, what is it? To be more like Jesus. He puts in that, that effort to say no to his flesh, to, to, to trust in the promises of God that he's forgiven, to, to forgive people, to, to move forward and not be under the past or keep looking at the past, but to go forward to know that God has this plan, that he's following this plan and what God wants to make him out to be and that there's a goal here and that he's going to p- complete that work that he started in him, right? Philippians 1, right? And so Paul, in forgetting the past, he then is straining every part of his being to go forward. That's the idea. You know, one time um, the wind and the current came up against me while I was like paddle boarding, you know, I was doing stand-up paddle. And I'll tell you, it took all my effort to paddle back to shore. You know, um, sometimes you get a little feel like, oh, I don't want to get stuck out here. So I'm like, you know, and just doing everything you can, you know, from being blown backwards and and the current pulling you back out. But you, you, you do everything you can. You put everything into it and you reach the shore. Well, that's the idea here. Sometimes our past is like that wind blowing against you. Sometimes it's that current under your feet, like pulling you back. And that past is keeping you from moving forward in the Lord. But Paul says, you know what? I'm not going to let it. I'm not going to be distracted. I'm going to be strained. I'm going to make every effort to move forward. He strained every part of his being to reach forward, to become everything that God wants him to be. That's that feeling. That's the sense here. So here's the point in this verse. Paul refused to let the past distract him from moving forward toward the goal. Paul refused to let the past distract him from moving forward toward the goal. Nothing was going to stop him. That's the attitude we should have. That's the understanding we should have. God has a plan for your life. And we need to follow that plan. And the past is taken care of and God can heal you. And so we need to be like Paul. and it, Like he refused to let that past distract him and keep him from moving forward toward the goal. That's what we got to do. No matter what happens, we got to press on here. Thomas Edison, he's famous for, you know, inventing like, the microphone, taking electricity, the light bulb, 
film projectors and, you know, more than a thousand other inventions. One evening, December 1914, a fire broke out in his factory. Fire companies from eight surrounding towns arrived, but the heat was so intense and the water pressure was so low that their attempt to put out the flames was futile. Everything was destroyed. Damages ran over $2 million, and that's like back in that day. The inventor's 24-year-old son, Charles, said to his father, uh, or I'm sorry, Charles said of his father, he said, he was 67, no longer a young man, and everything was going up in flames. Well, the next morning, Edison looked at the ruins and said, there's a great value in disaster. All our mistakes are burned up. Thank God we can start anew. Well, three weeks after the fire, Edison managed to produce the first phonograph, a record player. Nothing stopped him. Edison kept his eyes not on what was lost, but what could be gained. And I think we got to do that. We need to learn from that. Many of us have, have, have run into many obstacles and failures and many, many places where, where we've been brought down. But God is saying, hey, get up, keep going, run that race, press on. We cannot run forward looking backwards. We've got to forget the past and reach forward. You know, if you have unresolved issues with God, go to Him, find forgiveness, and, and you'll have a new start. Don't let anything in the past distract you, but look ahead and look to what God can do. And I think that's important. Sometimes we, we look to our own resources or what's in our hands or, or what's, you know, what we have in our bank account or, or, or what we have you know, in our room. We think, oh, we can't do it. But you know what? God is greater than those problems. And, and, and so look forward to what He can. Sometimes we look to our own failures and mistakes. And you know what? Some people do that. They, they keep looking back. They may move forward, but then they look back. And they keep going around and around in circles. And they keep making the same mistakes because they don't leave the past behind. So strain, you guys, strain to keep your eyes looking forward. Remember what Jesus said in Luke 9.62? He said, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. You don't plow looking backwards. You, look, you, you plow looking, looking straight ahead. If you look backwards, all your rolls are going to be all over the place, right? So look forward and press on. Well, let's go to number three now in our outline, finish the race. As we press on, we saw follow the plan, God's plan for our lives. Forget the past. Don't let that distract you and, and drag you back. And number three now, finish the race. Finish the race. So this is our last verse tonight. Philippians chapter 3, verse 14. Take a look. It says, Paul goes on and says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Okay, Paul writes, he strains at going forward, right? He presses on. Again, that, that means it's the same word, Greek word. It means to, to run after, follow hard after. It's to pursue. He puts in that maximum effort into this race. He presses on toward what? The goal, he says here. You know what the goal? Well, that's the finish line, right? 
That finish line, and he mentions here in verse 14, is the prize of the upward call of God. So the analogy is this, of when a winning runner is called up to receive their gold medal. And the prize here is when believers finally have completed, or God has completed that work in them, and we become Christ-like. And you know what that is? When we go to heaven and we get our glorified bodies. So the finish line really is heaven. As I've been speaking about, right? That's when we're completed. But right now is our sanctification process where we continue to put in that maximum effort. So we run that race, we press on for that prize to reach heaven and receive our glorified bodies. And remember, it's not like a works thing, like that's how we get to heaven. No, it's part of our growth because we are saved, because we are a new creation in Him. Now, in the middle of 1 John 3, 2, it says, We know that when He appears, we shall be like Him. In other words, when Christ comes for His church and He appears and we go up, to meet him, you know, we will receive our glorified bodies. So either when we pass from this earth and die, we'll get our glorified bodies, or when we meet him in the air. And that is the prize that Paul strives for. That is what he runs for. That is the motivation to finish the race. And that's our heading, finish the race. You know, I, I was thinking about this, how Paul, this is, this is his passion to be everything God wants him to be, to grow in that, to, to, to reach finally that completion as this is God's plan here, to forget the past and then to finish this race. That's his passion. And, you know, I was thinking about that, and I was challenging my own heart saying, hey, is that my passion, to be, to become what Christ wants me to be? I mean, I think about it. I, 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 I want to. I do that. And, but sometimes other things kind of get in the way sometimes, right? You know, I, I was thinking about, like, I asked myself, well, what is, what is one of your passions, Rick? Well, you know, I think about my passion, like, for surfing. How, you know, even though during this time I've been kind of busy, I've been out lately, but out in the water. But, you know, I still, like, check the surf report every day. <laughs> You know, I, I look at the cams, you know, on the North Shore or the West Side, and I still, you know, look at what are the conditions right now. Is, it, is the wind up or is it down? Is it glassy, you know? And I, I still, you know, I like surfing. I, and then I, I'll just, just for fun, you know, kind of window shop on Craigslist and see what kind of surfboards people are selling out there. It's a passion for me. It's something I love. It's something I enjoy. And, you know, every one of us, we have certain, quote-unquote, passions that we are into. But, you know, for Paul, it was not some hobby or some sport, but his number one passion was Jesus, to be like Jesus, to know Jesus. It was, it was being who God wants him to be. And I really want to get that into your minds, you guys, to become who Christ wants you to be, to become that person he saved you for. Do we even think that way right now? Do we even, even have any concern of that as we live our life every day? Sometimes every day we think of more of what, whatever that passion is, right? We want to do that. We want to accomplish those things. But what about being like Jesus? What about how we relate to one another? Being 
like Jesus. What about relating to God like Jesus did in faith and trust and love? That's what Paul was about. I don't know. I, I, it convicts me to, God, I need to do that more. I need to have that on my mind and my heart more. For Paul, it wasn't some sport or something he does or career or hobby or anything. But it was being who God wants him to be. And that was his passion. That was his race. He was running to race to that completion, to that finish. So our last point is this. Paul's passion and determination was to stay the course all the way to the end, to become who he wants him to be. Paul's passion and determination was to stay that course, right? And all the way to the end, to stay in that course of becoming who God wants him to be. You know, I was thinking about this in, in a small churchyard at the uh, foot of one of the great mountains in Switzerland. The body of this young Englishman who was killed while making an ascent is buried there. On the tombstone, under his name, are the dates of his birth and death. The following inscription is carved into his tombstone. Three words. He died climbing. Well, that's the same determination Paul had. Paul's passion and determination was to stay that course, to become all that Jesus wanted him to be, all the way to the finish, all the way to the end. Let me ask you tonight, how determined are you? How much do you care about who you are in Jesus? Do you have concern? Do you have, have, have a, 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 a desire to fulfill God's plan in your life? To fulfill the purposes of God? the things that he's doing in your life to make you more like Jesus that he's predestined you to be? Or is it like other things in life? Search your heart, you guys. God knows. God, God sees. And you know, even if maybe you, you, you're struggling a little bit with, with, with what's, you know, what you're hearing now or even yourself, yeah? God is there. God's the one who made you into new creation. God wants to change you. We are his workmanship. So no matter where you're coming from, we can all meet in the same place. This place where God wants to work, where God wants to change our lives, where, where we want to put in a maximum effort in everything that we do to reach for Jesus and to know him better and to become more like him. We have that chance and opportunity right now. Maybe you're challenged right now. Maybe it's been so hard through this stay-at-home thing and what's going on in the world, and it's so hard to watch the news, and you don't want to even watch it anymore. It can get so depressing. It can get hard, and, and, and you know everything's changed, and life has changed, and you're struggling. And what you know what? You can trust God that He is still in control even in this. And, and no matter what, He has a purpose in this. And He wants to grow you. And He wants to help you become like Him. And He wants to move in your life. And He wants you to experience Him in a greater way than ever. This is all part of running the race. It's all part of seeking, you know, seeking Him. It's all part of that. So let's put in that maximum effort. Let's press on in that way. Let's live for Jesus no matter. And no matter what your failures were, no matter what your sin was, 
we can turn around and you know what? God will still be there. This is the chance. This is the opportunity right now, you guys, to, to do this, to make that effort and God will meet you there. Let's put that passion in our heart. Put that fire in your, your heart right now as God is, is doing that. I'll close with this story. It's one of my favorite stories. It's about uh, Roy Regals. On New Year's Day, 1929, Georgia Tech played University of California in the Rose Bowl. During the first half of the game, a man named Roy Regals recovered a fumble for UCLA. Somehow, though, he became confused and he started running 65 yards in the wrong direction. It wasn't until one of his teammates came and tackled him just before he scored for the opposing team on the one-yard line. Well, they tried to punt, but it was blocked, and Georgia Tech scored a safety. These two points are eventually what won the game for uh, Georgia Tech. But at halftime, the men filed off in the field and went into the locker room. Everyone wondered what, the co- what Coach Price would do with Roy Regals. They sat down on the benches and on the floor, all but Regals. He put his blanket around his shoulders, sat down in a corner, and put his face in, a ha- in his hands and started to cry. If you play football, you know that a coach usually has a great deal to say, a great talk with his team during halftime, and that day Coach Price was quiet. No doubt, he was trying to decide what to do with Regals. Then the timekeeper came in and announced that they had three minutes before uh, the game started again. So Coach Price looked at the team and just simply said, men, the same team that played the first half will start the second. Well, the players got up. They started going out all but Regals. He did not budge. The coach looked back and called to him again. Still, he didn't move. Coach Price went over to where Regal sat and said, Roy, didn't you hear me? The same team that played the first half will start the second half. Then Roy Regals looked up and his cheeks were wet with, with a strong man's tears. And he said, Coach, I can't do it to save my life. I ruined you. I ruined the University of California. I ruined myself. I couldn't face that crowd in the stadium to save my life. Then Coach Price reached out and put out his hand on Regal's shoulder and said to him, Roy, get up and go back. The game is only half over. While Roy Regal's went back, and those tech men will tell you that they have never seen a man play football as Roy Regal's played that second half. Listen, the game is only half over. You have a chance to get up, and follow the plan. Forget the past and finish the race. Have that passion. Make a maximum effort. And go and be like Jesus. Get to know him and press on. Let's pray. Lord, as we come before you, we confess our sins, Lord. We ask that you forgive us, God. Lord, bring us to that place once again where we are growing, God where you're going deeper in our lives. Let us not, I pray no one here that is joined in, connected in, is at a plateau or have gone backwards. I pray that today would be the opportunity to get up 
and go for it. That the game is only half over. That you've given us an opportunity right now, a chance, Lord, to get back in the game with a passion, with a maximum effort to run this race, Lord. To, to follow your plan, God, to fulfill the purposes in our life. To forget the past and not get distracted and tripped up by that. But to strain forward. To do all we can with all of our heart, soul, and strength to live for you, to become everything you want us to be. And Lord, let us have that burning passion on our heart, Lord, to finish the race. Lord, stir our hearts up, up tonight, God. We, we want you. We need you, God. Help us to trust you and put our hope in you, knowing that you're greater than ourselves. You are sovereign, powerful God. And even over this, this challenging, unprecedented times we live in, God, we want to trust you and we want to know that you're still working and you're still working in us, Lord. So help us to be concerned. Help us to care. Help us to have a passion to become everything you want us to be. Help us to press on. In Jesus' name, amen.